Welcome to Make It Count, Living a Legacy Life, where we invest in what matters, God and people. I'm Sue Donaldson, speaker, author, and creator of WelcomeHeart.com, where you can learn to know and show the heart of God. And that's what counts. Thank you for joining me. Good morning. Today, I'm so happy to introduce to you my uh, blogger friend from Grapevine, Texas. Her name is Lauren Sparks, and I uh, blog alongside of her on the big wide web. And I appreciate her vulnerability and uh, really the special challenges that she has. And I'm going to let her tell you a little bit about her life and her ministry, and then we'll get on to the legacy questions. Lauren? Thank you, Sue. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. Um, I'm not very interesting, but I'll, I'll try to think of some things. Um, I blog at laurensparks.net. Um, my tagline is where the thoughts of a special needs mom intersect with the cross of Christ. Wow. Um, and I started the blog as a way to fundraise for research for uh, my daughter's condition. I have a 20-year-old daughter with Dravet syndrome. Uh, that's a severe seizure disorder uh, that's characterized by global uh, developmental delay. Um, and there was an organization that was allowing us to fundraise for our own grants to be given to a doctor or a researcher, somebody working on derivative specific uh, research in our child's name. Hmm. So wow, I, wonderful. I launched this Facebook or the, not a Facebook. I w- launched a webpage and I had different things that you could purchase, you know, little rubber bracelets with her name and a scripture on it. And, um, a few other little things trying to raise money for that. I never did raise very much money <laughs> on the web, but what it reignited in me was a love for writing. Mm. And that gave me another way to share the love of Jesus Christ. And so it just kind of, flowed from there. Like my website's taken like three different iterations, three different names, um, just keeps changing and growing with whatever, you know, God wants me to do with it. Lauren, let me interrupt a little bit. Do you, mm-hmm. can you repeat slowly the name of the condition so that, mm-hmm. um, we can hear it better. And then I'll also put it in show notes. Yes. It's Drave syndrome. Okay. D-R-A-V-E-T. Okay. It's and and French. When did, French. And when did you, um, first know that she had it in the womb? No, um, that's a really interesting story, actually, because uh, she started, she had her first seizure when she was less than five months old. Mm. And, um, you know, we immediately started seeing doctors and specialists because they continued. Um, I had her tested for what we thought was everything in the world, and um, they couldn't ever find anything specific. And so they just labeled her as having generalized epilepsy which never really sat well with me because I know that a lot of people have seizures and can go on to live a completely normal life. But she almost immediately started to fall behind in milestones and different things from childhood. Mm-hmm. And um, you have other children as well. I have a 29 year old bonus son uh, who's a doctor and has four kids. So I became a grandma at 38. So how is he a bonus son? I figured that out for our audience. Uh, my husband's son from his first marriage. Okie dokie. So how yeah. old was he when you married your husband? Seven. Oh, wow. So did you raise him like in part or? Uh, he mostly primarily lived with his mom. We had him weekends and six or eight or 10 weeks, whatever worked out in the summer. 
So that, yeah. there's your, that's the old uh, set of challenges right there. Yeah, it really, yeah. it really was often messy, mm-hmm. always beautiful. <laughs> yeah. um, and then I say, have, a, I'm sorry, go ahead. I would say eventually beautiful, but you're right. Always beautiful. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, then I have a 15 year old typical daughter as well. Which can have their own challenges at 15. Oh, sister, that feels, <laughs> feels like some of the biggest right now. <laughs> I, I've read that and I understand because I have three daughters. <laughs> she, she is beautiful and talented and maddening and a blessing and, you know, all of those things. <laughs> and your special needs daughter, what's her name? Shelby. So Shelby and your youngest, her name? Allie. Allie. And so what kind of relationship can they have or do they have? Um, they do have a relationship. It is mostly one of uh, physical affection. Um, my Shelby is extremely affectionate. She loves hugs and high fives and loves to laugh. And so it's kind of just a, their relationship right now is mostly passing through the room and giving each other hugs and high fives and, you know, that kind of thing. Cause you know, teenagers are pretty busy with their own stuff and friends mm-hmm. and, and all that. Do you think Allie will look back and see this time as, um, well, I don't know if she'll be able to look back, but if she, that something God is building something in her just to be a, a sibling of a special needs. Uh, she's already woman. talked about that. I is mean, she? she she knows that it's given her a whole level of compassion for people mm-hmm. that a lot of kids her own age don't have. And mm-hmm. one of my favorite stories about her was in kindergarten. Um, there was a special needs boy in her class. And her teacher told me this later that um, one day another kid in their, her class said, um, teacher, what's wrong with him? And she said, Allie stood up out of her chair and said, there is nothing wrong with him. He has special needs and my sister has special needs. And uh, even though they can't do everything we can do, they can do lots of things. And this is as a five-year-old. Yes. You know? Oh, it makes me so, cry. I know. I know. <laughs> well, that's beautiful. So um, in speaking of legacy, or did you want to say more about being a special needs mom or is that part of your legacy? Um, you know, it, it has its ups and downs. Yes. Challenges, yes. joys, yeah, all of it. <laughs> uh, what legacy do you want to pass down to those you know and love? I once wrote on my blog and I can't remember the exact wording, but something to the effect of if I never accomplish anything else in my life, I want people to say of me that she loved. Mm. And I think that's the main thing because when we're truly loving others, I think that's the closest we will ever get to being godlike. And that's what we as Christians strive to be more and more like Jesus. And I think that's the most we can be like him is when we're loving somebody else. Was there a certain uh, incident, event, a scripture, thought, wave? length in your brain that made you realize that that's what you really needed to concentrate on? I think it was a slow molding of me that God is still doing. Mm. Um, And because I I grew up in a a Christian home, I've been a believer almost as long as I can remember. But I I went through a period of um, some real moral superiority where that is concerned 
Um, and of course, God has humbled me in many, many ways through the years. But I think coming to face to face with what my own sin is and how much it separates me from God. Mm. Um, really, I had, brought- I had that happen this morning, by the way. So you're not done. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, you're not no finished kidding. yet. No go kidding. ahead. This is about you, not me. So yeah. <laughs> um, I just think the more I come face to face with that, with my own frailties and my own flaws and how far I still have to go to be like Jesus, the more compassion I have for other people who are different from me in how they look and how they act and how they were raised uh, in their sin struggles, as opposed to mine, which I'm much more used to than theirs, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. And it just, and I'm a very relational person too. Relationships are very important to me, friendships, family. And so, you know, you put all that together and that's just love, you know, getting, getting along with people, learning about other people, loving other people. Well, yeah, you might think that Jesus chose 12 because he knew they would fight and squabble. (laughs) And uh, not that I want to have more children, but uh, he says three is enough for me to learn those same things. But I learned them and I learned that same thing or what am in the process of learning when I was working as well and out in the workforce, because sometimes the people you should love the most, you can't, or you have a hardest time. And that's when I have to draw upon the Lord. What helps you the most when you come across someone that's difficult to love? That's a really good question that I'm not sure I have a really good answer to. Um, it be a good answer. It has to be a real answer. <laughs> um, I'll just draw from a current example, I guess. Um, I have a family member right now whom I dearly love um, that is choosing a really awful path mm-hmm. right now. And that has made it hard to love, even though I dearly love. Um, My first instinct was, oh, I can distance from this. Hmm. I can distance myself from this. And after I thought it, I felt really guilty about it at first. And then I realized that it was just because it was so painful to Hmm. stay in the middle of it. Hmm. And, um, but that's what I've chosen to do. And uh, so that is a day by day prayer of how do I love this person well, show this person that they are still the same person they've always been to me, mm-hmm. even when they're not struggling against sin, they're choosing sin. Mm-hmm. And, you know, part of that goes back to, well, how do I love well? Well, how does God love me well in all of my mess? Mm-hmm. Um, and just seeking what, uh, godly counsel on that and, um, you know, seeking, gosh, God, what do I do here? What's the right thing? How do I love and not support the sin? And mm-hmm. of course, that's a, just a lifelong learning process, I guess. <laughs> and also, I could see you someday, the Lord clearly saying, okay, it's time to get back into a closer relationship with this person. Uh, on the other hand, um, he also, wise, a lot of people have wisely said, you know, that whole book called Boundaries, 
mm-hmm. where we draw a boundary because of toxic people or of whatever reason. A lot of books on that too, but to be so um, adhering to what God is saying to us personally, like I could come in and say, oh no, Lauren, you need to go blah, blah, blah. But for you to say, I'm clearly listening to the voice of God. And today I've chosen to separate myself because that's the best way to love her and also the best way to protect you and your family. But, but there may come another time. Do you feel like there could be another time and that you would be obedient and go back into that relationship? I know this is off topic, but no, it's I'm, real life. I'm actually staying right in the middle of it. Okay. Um, it's definitely what we're called to do right now. Uh, I'm, I keep telling my husband when I think this way that I'm borrowing trouble that we don't know is going to happen, but I keep projecting into the future and saying, okay, if this doesn't change, there could be some things that come up that we will have to draw a very strict boundary about and that may jeopardize the relationship. Um, but for the time being, it's loving and speaking truth and mm-hmm. love. And that brings up a huge point that I'm working through myself, which is we need to be living in the time being. We, especially as women, we like to control what's going to happen because we're good planners. Mm -hmm. That's how life gets done. That's how dinner gets on the table. That's how people get to school. And it's a good thing we are, you know, and we pat ourselves on the back. But when I borrow trouble, I call that living in the land of the what if. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I present all these what ifs to my dear husband and he goes, huh? Because he hasn't even imagined those things. And he goes, well, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. And God has already told me as my heavenly father, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. I mean, just last night and this morning, uh, that's where I was. I go, okay, Lord, you've said not to worry. I'm not going to worry. But it really is something I have to speak out loud uh, to him and to Mm -hmm. myself and say, ah, you've, you've got it. You know, you're a lot younger than I am, Lauren. And so when you were talking, I go, it's going to be all right, because I've already seen this happen. Mm -hmm. But even when we have people tell us that, we still get to go through it. Don't you find that that that's Mm -hmm. the case? Because that's when we really learn it, when we have to go through it. True. Yeah, so true. Um, How are you currently, I guess you just answered that question, how are you currently loving the way as far as your legacy? Would this person know that you're loving them right now? Mm -hmm. Okay. And... um, the next question is really right in it as well. What obstacles did you need to overcome to make this legacy? And I don't mean just with this one situation. Are there any changes you've had to make personally to help you make sure that after, let's say, um, God forbid, but that something happens uh, this week and you're no longer with us here in this life, would people remember you for this legacy? I hope so. Um one of the things that's been really meaningful to me right now and that some other people in my life have echoed back to me is I have long tried to be a prayer warrior Hmm. for the people that I love, the people in my life to consistently pray for them uh, when they have issues and things. Um, But man, prayer is, had been a lifelong struggle for me as far as how to keep it fresh, how not to, I guess the main thing was, okay, so I'm going to start praying for this person because they have just found out they have a cancer diagnosis. How do I not just every day say, dear God, please heal Sandy Mm -hmm. from her cancer. Yeah. Um, 
dear God, please heal Sandy from her cancer. And for my own issues, dear God, please help me with this same day. Please God, you know, over and over again. And he pointed me straight to scripture one day. And I can't even remember exactly when it was or how long it's been that this has been moving in my life. But every day now I have a list of about 10 or 12 people that I pray for every single day because they have really hard things going on right now. Wow. That's a lot. But what, instead of praying for their exact issue every day, which sometimes I still do, uh, when I have my time with God, I ask him beforehand to show me in scripture what I need to pray over that person that day. And he always gives me a scripture to pray for them. And a lot of times it's just about the general Christian life, about living and breathing and walking with him and being obedient. Which is probably what they need the most because right. it's what I need the most. Right. And then he prompted me and it actually started with this loved one who is in a really challenging situation right now. That's really challenging me. Um, text him every day, the wow. scripture, the scripture and what inspired me to pray for them from the scripture. I have a question. So I do have a question. that with all those people every day. Do you or, do to save time? <laughs> Do you use the same scripture that God gives you in the morning for all 12 of those people? Sometimes, not always. Sometimes okay. he will give me something very specific for someone. I see. But sometimes I do. Mm -hmm. I know. I find that my quiet time gets so derailed when I think, oh, I have to really send this to my friend Josie. Oh, I have to send this to my friend Katie. And then they write right back, thank you. It's just what I needed. And then I forget where I was in scripture. So I'm sure you're far more <laughs> consistent and disciplined than I am. But yeah. Doesn't that make prayer life a lot more exciting and fresh? Yes. And yes. you know, I think I love that you brought that up because this is a very real struggle for many believers that we go, oh yeah, I'll pray for them. We totally forget that we said it unless we pray for them right then. But uh, you have a list of these 10 to 12 people. What happens if the list gets too long? Um. I don't know. That hasn't happened yet. Okay, good. All right. Do <laughs> and I feel, don't, it, yeah. if I'm not feeling anything particular, I don't, most days I do send it something to every one of them, wow. but there are days when I don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's when something just hasn't, God hasn't impressed anything upon me in particular or, um, but, it, but it really is amazing. The number of times people come back and say, okay, do you have any idea what was happening that day when you sent that? It was mm -hmm. just what I needed. And of mm -hmm. course I didn't, it's, mm -hmm. you know, and I can just say only God, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's good. And sometimes it's good not to know what happened because then we get a little bit too full of ourselves. At least I have that propensity. Mm -hmm. And uh, I love what Oswald Chambers writes where he said that at the beginning of the river of the, of the, of the Creek, right at the top of the mountain, the water goes down and there's all this ripple effect but those little, the little beginning stream does not need to know where it went. And that's mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit doing work through our obedience, really, because it's obedience to pray because he says to pray, mm -hmm. uh, to pray also, uh, always and not fret. And um, I just heard today on an uh, Instagram post where this gal goes, the most important way to love our children is to pray for them. And that always is convicting. Okay, Lord, have I prayed for all three of them today? And so what you're saying is fulfilling your legacy by praying for others. Is there anything else uh, practical that could help us in our prayer lives or in, in loving others? And we can close with that. 
You know, I think uh, the best place to start with loving others is definitely at home. I mean, it sounds kind of like a cliche, but I feel like just honoring, showing honor and respect to my husband is sometimes something that's very countercultural right now. Um, and showing him any kind of deference for many people would be looked down upon as, you know, so anti-feminist true. or weak or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just in that way. And then of course, loving kids can get even messier, I think, you know, cause sometimes being loving doesn't seem loving to them at all and by setting boundaries or having no's or, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So yeah, I think it just goes from the, and then just really being really interested in other people, I think. Hmm. Um, is the best way to love, to really learn to listen well, because it really is an honor and a privilege for someone to let you into their story. And um, so I think that's another great way to show love is um, to be very intentional in listening and being interested in what they have to say. And, um, you know, asking God how, how am I supposed to put myself into their story? Is mm-hmm. it by praying for them? Is it by coming alongside them in a struggle that they're having? Um, is it um, that they're really lonely and hungry for some companionship and I need to set aside a day or two a month um, to go out to lunch to them or to take them shopping or, you know, whatever. Yeah. We really never know what's going inside uh, someone that we're, especially that we're just acquainted with like a neighbor. Mm-hmm. and uh, to when they reach out and say, uh, can you go for a walk? And I'm thinking, no, but then I say yes, because why else am I here mm-hmm. than to get out of my house? That's our Jerusalem. God says, go into all the world, starting with our Jerusalem. Our neighborhood is our Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And I love uh, what you say, that it is an honor and a privilege when someone allows us to step into their story, at least by listening. They don't necessarily want me to step in and tell them what to do with their story. <laughs> right. But um, but the first stage of relationship is listening. Jesus was great at that and asking good questions and then actually listening to the answer. I can ask a good question and then forget that I asked it and be a steamroller. And um, so God is slowing me down through this COVID time. I don't know mm-hmm. if COVID will still be on by the time this is broadcast, but a definite slowing down has been good for all of us physically, mentally, and spiritually, and to, uh, for you to say that this is a great way to love someone is to listen to their story is, is uh, precious. And it's Christ-like. And so I want to commend you because you don't have an easy road uh, with your sweet Shelby. But, um, but I know that God will continue to use you, Lauren, and I'm just blessed to know you. Do you have any parting words that you want to share with my audience? Um, I would just say, um, if I could give one piece of advice, uh, to any woman out there, it would be spend time with God every day as much as you can. Um, that is the only way to know him better and to know him better is to be more like him and no one changed the world and is still changing the world more than him. So talk about a legacy. Um, the more I can be like Jesus, I feel like uh, the more good I will do in the world to others around me. And so I think that would be it. Well, I think that's good enough. 
<laughs> to be like Jesus. Thank you, Lauren. I so appreciate you. And I'll be sending uh, listeners over to your uh, blog where they will be blessed with your vulnerability, your honesty, and pointing others to Christ. So thank you so much. Thank you, Sue. I appreciate you. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.